Good morning again. If you're visiting, my name is Peter. I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs. Today, we are going to talk about a message entitled, The Shepherd's Voice. The Shepherd's Voice. We're going to lean back all the way to John chapter 10. Uh, The last eight weeks we've been in this series called For the Love. We're going through the book of John. Last week, we were actually in John 14, and that's why I say we're going to lean back to John chapter 10. We're doing this series alongside our sister church in Austin, Mosaic. So if you'd stand to your feet with me to honor God's word, we're in John chapter 10. Starting with verse 1, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them up and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Y'all can be seated as we pray. Jesus, please add a blessing to the reading of your word. It goes beyond our thoughts, opinions, or anxieties. You said your sheep know your voice, and pretty much this whole passage, it's, it's you talking. And Lord, my prayer is that you would speak your tender, powerful voice, the the voice that can cause trees to be uprooted with power and yet the tender voice of that still small voice of peace that conquers our fears. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would speak in such a way that my preaching 
is brought under your speaking. That even despite my words, your word would, would speak more powerfully and more deeply to souls today. And that in hearing, we would also be believing. And that in believing, we might have life and have it abundantly. And that our life in believing in you would infect the dead and cause life to spring up for your kingdom. Amen. As I work through our passage, I'm going to teach through our passage. I, I want to underline three identity truths that I see here. And each of these truths has an implication with it. There's one identity truth about who we are. And two truths about who Jesus is. Each of these will have an implication that's pretty simple that goes with it. And also show us something about the shepherd's voice. Given the identity of who we are and a few things about who Jesus is. And thus how his voice speaks to us. Now the first thing that I want to point out. Uh, something about our identity is very, very simple. And very, very Difficult to process. Number one, we are sheep. We are sheep. The implication with this is that we're ultimately helpless. Helpless. Again, I love to start off my points very, very uplifting. If you're not bothered by the notion of us being sheep, Jesus consistently calling us sheep. If that notion, this metaphor in no way bothers you, it might be because you're wise and humble and understanding, but probably not. If you're not bothered by this notion, it's because you probably are totally ignorant about what sheep are. Sheep are totally dumb, at least compared to the wise and savage wolf, and especially, infinitely compared to the wisdom, the power of the shepherd. We're sheep, Jesus says. We're helpless compared to the shepherd. The more we know about sheep, the more difficult this is, the process. And yet this metaphor of sheep and shepherd is probably one of the most common metaphors in all the Bible. In fact, uh, one person said it's probably the second most common metaphor right behind father and son. I mean, right from the, the very first few books of the Bible, Moses points out about how the people of God are sheep and, and, he, and God is the shepherd. And Moses even promised that after having led the sheep, led the flock of God in the wilderness, that there will come a greater shepherd someday who will shepherd the people of God. And that person is Jesus. The Old Testament prophets constantly rebuke the people of God as sheep of his flock wayward sheep so often. And Jesus, in every book of the gospel accounts, says that we are sheep. Paul consistently says in the epistles that we are God's flock, and a good shepherd of the flock must lead in a certain way. From beginning to the end, the Bible's consistent with this whole metaphor. We're sheep. Sheep, we have to consider, are helpless and dumb. 
Welcome to church today. We're sheep. Morgan Stevens, our pastor in Austin, pointed that out this way. Jesus could have said that instead of saying, I am the great shepherd and you are my sheep, he could have said, I am the trainer and you're my stallions, right? He could have said, I am the, the owner and you are my purebred greyhounds. I mean, think about these two animals, for instance. We know that dogs can live on their own. We, we know such a thing as wild dogs, right? You know, dogs are smart enough to survive on their own. We, we even know wild horses. I mean, we all know that, that Garth Brooks songs, right? Like, you know, wild horses. No, you don't know that. Either way, wild horses are a thing. But has anyone ever heard of wild, wild sheep? There's reasons why you've never heard of wild sheep. Because it can't be a thing because of the basic disposition of sheep. Sheep cannot eat on their own. It's been demonstrated that if you put a sheep in a, in a grazing pasture, in the area right around that sheep, it'll eat the grass right around it. And it won't even wander outside that area. It will eventually just, if not guided out of that area, even if they could see food, they won't go out and find it. They will die. Sheep are helpless. They need the shepherd. They can't even see without a shepherd. We have a, a phrase in the English language about the, the pulling the wool over your eyes. Without a shepherd to trim the wool just above the sheep's eyes, the sheep can't even see. They're helpless. Philip Keller is a pastor. He used to be a shepherd, an actual uh, you know, occupational shepherd of sheep. And he writes a commentary on Psalm 23. It's about shepherd and sheep. Uh, he writes a commentary and he mentions that sheep, when they fall on their back, often cannot even get up on their own. Like grown sheep. My wife one time talked about how helpless human beings are until they're like two or three. Like we can't walk on our own. I mean, but sheep are more helpless than us. They can't even get up on their own. Sheep are helpless. Now, if the notion of being a sheep bothers you, it doesn't mean that you're not a sheep. If the notion, you know, like maybe, maybe you're pretty compared to other sheep, you're, you're less helpless. You know, maybe it's very likely knowing my mental makeup that a lot of y'all are less dumb than me. Maybe more wise. But when Jesus, in his wisdom, says to us, you're helpless, you're sheep, but you're my sheep. My sheep know my voice if we were to deny the fact that, especially compared to him, that we are sheep, maybe our sensibilities are offended by that. In our denial of that, it doesn't make us not sheep. It just makes us shepherdless sheep. Because he says, my sheep know my voice. I don't say this to offend you. But my hope is that in, it, let's say we're being offended by the, the notion of us being helpless and, and comparatively dumb, that Jesus says these words and we can at least say, 
okay, there's a, a certain level of freedom I can have for hearing him say that and listening in such a way where I can be helped in my state of helplessness. Now, it's important to know that the people he's primarily calling sheep may be offending by the dumbness, the helplessness thing, are Pharisees. Now, Pharisees, if you've ever heard that word, these are like religious experts. These are upstanding people. Like these are the evangelical Christians of their day that would have been like the most conservative, righteous, not hypocrite type of people. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene and starts calling them hypocrites, blind in fact, right below, the, from chapter 9 to chapter 10, there shouldn't really be a, a, a changeover in chapter. Chapters, ca- chapters came seven or eight centuries after our scripture. But he says, the, the Pharisees in verse, 30, or verse 40 say, are we blind as well? And Jesus says to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But since you say you see, since you say you're not helpless... Your guilt remains. And then he goes into this. He says, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door is a thief. Down to verse six, it says this figure of speech Jesus used with them. Who is them? He's talking about Pharisees. He's talking about people who would deny that they're sheep. But it says that they didn't understand it. Why? Because they're not his sheep. We're sheep. If we, if we totally just vehemently deny this notion that we're helpless and sheep and need help, maybe it's because we're confident. We're confident in our ability to, to, to make a living, in our ability to... to Avoid the bad stuff in the world, to be righteous, to be uh, moral. Maybe we're confident, God forbid, in our ability to get to what's after this life, all because of our own strength, our own wisdom. It actually, ironically, makes us more helpless in our confidence that we're not helpless. We're sheep. Now, each time Jesus encounters people who deny this, you would think that Jesus has a a figure of speech and people don't understand it, and so he would make something more relatable. He never does that in John, especially. Remember a few weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And when people were disputing about this, you would think that Jesus says, you would make it more relatable. Well, here's what I mean by that. But he actually gets more extreme and to them more insane and absurd. He says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part with me. Almost more offensive. Why does he do that? I think it's at least because he knows that his sheep hear his voice. And in this context, when he says, My sheep know my voice. There's some who don't understand it. You might be in a place where you're hearing, look, I I don't know why he would be a door and uh, it says he's a door and he's the the shepherd. Verse three, it says to him, the, the shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. Verse two, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, 
first thing I'm thinking is, how can he be the door and the shepherd? It's, you know, I've learned about mixed metaphors in, in English and, and stuff like that. I don't get that. But here's what we can understand from Jesus. If you're his sheep, you'll know you're helpless. He doesn't have to explain it to you. You'll know his voice when he says, I am the door. There's a part of you that will say, I know, I know what it means to be on the outside and not be able to get in. I need to know more about how you're the door. I know what it means to be stuck on the inside, feeling helpless, like I can't go outside. I need a door. Tell me more, Jesus, about how you're the door. And you'll hear him say, I am the good shepherd. I'll lead you into abundance. When you can't find your way around, you can't find the right attitude when you're at work. You might not even be able to find work. You might not be able to find something to occupy your space and your time and life and breath. And you hear this person saying, I am the good shepherd. I'll lead you. You won't need him to explain much more. You'll just Hear his voice and know you're helpless. You don't need him to explain why you're helpless. You already knew that. And when, his, when you hear his voice, there's something that's triggered by that. I don't need to explain it to you. And he doesn't need to explain it to you. Something's unlocked when he says, I am the door. I am the shepherd. He says, I called them by name. This seems unusual. If you had 30, 40 sheep, part of me wonders, would he name each and every one of the sheep? It seems unusual. But we know that he knows not only your name, but numbers every hair on your head. This is an unusual kind of shepherd. He is the good shepherd. It says... This shepherd leads them out. Verse 3, to him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. This is another amazing and strange thing in the very start of our passage. He leads the sheep out because he is the kind of shepherd that he is, that I think about my own parenting. Thank God we have this parenting class coming on on Saturday. But I I, I read a a commentary about the main difference between a Middle Eastern or Near Eastern shepherd versus a Western type of shepherd, like the classical kind of Northern European shepherding tactics, the word the the shepherds would lead by driving with sheepdogs, kind of out of fear, like pushing the sheep versus a Near Eastern shepherd, the context that Jesus, when he says, I am this sort of shepherd. I, I go before them and lead them out. A shepherd would lead his sheep by going first, by calling him out with his voice. And the sheep would know his voice and they would follow him. Not think about the huge difference. It's kind of like with my parenting. I tend to often sit and bark orders at my little kids. Like, go, go, go do this, go do that. Versus the good shepherd who, God help me, he'll, by me being a better sheep, I'll learn how to be more like Jesus in my parenting. That's another message. But the good shepherd goes before us. He doesn't just sit around and bark orders. He goes before you. He leads with his still, small voice. His peace dominates his leadership and your followership. 
He leads. And if you're his sheep, that overwhelming peace will drive how you make decisions. You won't have anxiety that leads you. You'll have his voice of peace. And you'll know his voice because you'll know, I'm not just a sheep. But I have a badge of prize that I'm his sheep. I don't care what a sheep is. I don't care if it's helpless and dumb. I'm his sheep. He goes before me. No matter what you might have anxiety about in the future, church, decisions you have to make, things you might be nervous about, things you're needing to encounter, you can know this, that there might be faiths and religions and and things that you might be familiar with, with Christianity that says rules to do. and th- You might think those things, but listen, Jesus is a person who goes before you. No matter what you're nervous about stepping into, this is the God who goes before you into that place. He will never send you somewhere or to do anything that he hasn't already done or someplace he hasn't already gone. Verse 27, he says it clearly later. It's it's about 11 or 12 verses after our passage. He just makes it clear. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. To hear his voice, it requires that we can reconcile that our greatest strength is often in our weakness. Our greatest power is often in our helplessness. In, in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, he starts with these words, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus wants to bless you. If you don't feel blessed, maybe you just feel, you came to church today, you feel poor in spirit. It very well could be a very great powerful, transformative place to be, to hear the voice of the shepherd. I remember when I was invited, when I was 14 years old, to a Bible study. I was so proud of myself as a young religious man. Most of my pride was to cover up my insecurity, my obsession with trying to get other people to like me. And I was invited to this Bible study really just so that the dude inviting me would stop. I didn't really want to go, but I finally went and I heard the voice of the shepherd drawing me. And one of the first things that my experience with the Bible being read in public and seeing other people worship and follow Jesus is it it made me uncomfortable because it caused me to realize I'm not a big deal like I think I am. I I left that first Bible study poor in spirit. Like, I'm a sheep, and I finally see it, and I need a shepherd. I need help. This is not working out for me. That kind of uh, godly, sanctified discouragement was good for me. I wasn't encouraged when I went to Bible study that first time. I was kind of discouraged by myself, and I went back That was September 18th, uh, 1997. I'm 21 years old. I know. know, I look pretty good for 21. Um, But I went back. I went back and I heard, 
I heard Jesus calling me to new life. I can't explain exactly how it went down, but I'll never be the same. And since then, I've grown to hear more about how his voice leads me. We are sheep. If you're his sheep, you'll hear his voice. And if you're his sheep, there's two things about his voice that you need to know. And it has everything to do with who he is and therefore how his voice leads. He is the door, as he says, and he is the good shepherd. Now, first of all, Jesus is the door. He gives access to the fold of God and protection from harm. In other words, he keeps out the bad stuff because you're secure in his fold with his people. He gives us access to the fold. Part of what it means to be a human being is a desire to be identified with a greater group of people. It's a desire for community. In other words, a desire to be a part of his fold. Ultimately, there's a desire to be a part of God's fold. Maybe not all humans use those words or not, that I'm, I'm a part of the, the church or the fold of God, but beneath it all, there is a desire to be identified as one of God's children. Even though God created us in his image, but we're fallen from his image. We're on the outside. And since the fall, where we not, it wasn't just a story about uh, a naked man and a naked woman eating an apple. It was a story about all of us saying to God, I don't need you. And since that moment, in our genes, in our natural disposition, we are on the inside of our own sin and on the inside of our own selfishness and on the outside of his purity and holiness and love. And there's a longing, an innate longing in all of us to be a part of his purity, a part of his people, and we are on the outside. Jesus says, I am the door. Elsewhere, he says, narrow is the path that leads to life. Few are those who find it. Broad is the path that leads to destruction. There's a desire in every human being to be a part of God's house, of his fold. I, I read an article by a secular, secular social commentator this week. He says that today's institutions of higher education are exploiting the innate need in every young person for a community to which to belong and a dragon to slay. This has everything to do with what we're talking about today, about how Jesus wants us to be a part of his fold, and there is a thief and a robber who would, who would deceive us into thinking we're on the inside because there's something that is in all of us that desires to get in, to be on the inside. And Jesus is saying, I am the door. Verse 7, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. See, all of us long for the protection of being on the inside 
I mean, the, what does a door do? A door lets you in and lets you out as well, but, but lets you in. Without, without a door, it's just a wall. We're stuck on the outside. And we understand this. This is true for structures. If you're stuck on the outside of a structure in a rainstorm, it's not a good thing. You're wet. You're exposed to the elements. This is true for a lot of things. This, this works in, with, specifically with a sheepfold, with sheep. When they are on the outside of the sheepfold, they're not under the protection of the sheep, and therefore they're exposed to predators. And this is true with the people of God. When we're in community, we're safe. We're not picked off by the wolf. We're known by others in the community. Enough to hurt one another sometimes, yes. But also enough to restore each other, pray for each other. We're on the inside. And what Jesus is saying is that I am the door so that you won't just be on the inside of any community, but God's people. First Peter says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Kind of like Jesus saying, the sheep that are my own. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Jesus is saying, I'm the door by which you can enter in and find safety, security. The predator has no way to get to you. You are safe forever in my fold, and I am the door to give you entrance. In being the door, Jesus also not only gives us access to the fold of God, the community definition, but he gives us protection from harm. Protection from harm. He keeps the bad stuff out when we're safe with his people. Remember verse 1, he says, he who climbs over the wall and doesn't go through the door, meaning through Jesus, that person is a thief and a robber. Now think about this as it relates to the voice of the shepherd and the many voices and competing voices in our culture or in any culture. Typically, the enemy wants to use reductions about who Jesus is to mimic his voice. Like, for instance, Jesus is holy. He's perfectly holy. So in Christian history in particular, there's been many mimicking voices of his holiness that reduce to moralism. And so people will enter the fold through, not through the door of all who Jesus is, but climb in another way. And you'll hear voices of moralism. Do this, do that. Don't do this. Don't drink that. Don't. And, it's, and it sounds like Jesus, but it's not quite Jesus. Or, or if it's not moralism, it'll be like a humanism where we're wanting to be loving towards people, but not based on all of who Jesus is in his holiness. So it's, maybe it's not, you know, let's call it today, right-wing reduction of moralism without the love and grace of God. But on the other hand, it could be the, the other reduction on the other side of I'm being loving, but not based on any standard of, of divine dignity of what God has made you to be based on his timeless truth. It could be the voice of fear prodding and driving the sheep. 
It could be any sort of ism, moralism, nationalism, humanism. And the enemy would, to, would want to enter not through all of who Jesus is and what's revealed in all of his word, but enter in through mimicking voices to prod the sheep. And Jesus says, he who does not enter through me is a thief and a robber. Why? Because I am the door. I give you entrance to my flock and I keep you safe from predators, from the thief. I keep you safe. In church, when we grow to hear the voice of Jesus, we're able to distinguish his voice from that of the robber. This is why we say in our growth steps that we talk about, the written on our wall outside, we say that the most important thing is, is not just for me to stand up here every Sunday telling you stuff about what I think, but for you to get into this yourself. Jesus will speak to you through who he is. And he's revealed who he is through his written word. It's inspired by God so that you can consume it more than you consume bread. And by reading the Bible and by the help of the Holy Spirit, the Bible reading you, you can learn to distinguish, oh, that's That's not quite Jesus. I reject that voice. That's the voice of fear. That's the voice of condemnation. That's the voice of rejection. I am the head and not the tail. You learn to distinguish because the word of God is the voice of Jesus. Reading your Bible, getting established in the foundation of the word of God is how you start to distinguish the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd. It's the portal, the door through which you can let certain words in and reject other words. I heard one guy say, "We, we need to get off of Facebook and get our face in the book. It's literally something that I've had to do the last several months, and it's amazing. This thing's coming alive to me ever since I deleted that stinking app off of my phone. Praise the Lord. Another way that we can learn to distinguish the voice, a practical thing that we do, and that's part of our established plan. We, we go through the purple book. It's biblical foundations. It helps put this in your hand to where you... When you are presented with questions about the Bible, questions about life, your first inclination no longer will be, well, let me text him or one of my growth group leaders or Pastor Peter about what he thinks. But you're going to be going back, I read this today, and you will be the person that people are asking. That's what Jesus desires for your life. We do victory weekends so that you can have a a historical confrontation moment about what God says about you and be able to reject other things that are spoken about you that maybe you're used to speaking over your own life. We want you to be established in the voice of the shepherd that tells you who you are he gives you ability to distinguish the voice of the thief and the robber. Now this verse, verse 10, this is a transition between his two metaphors, the metaphor of him being the door and the metaphor of him being the good shepherd. This is a, an important verse that's so often taken out of context. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal 
and kill and destroy. Meaning the thief would come to, to harm you, but remember, I'm the door, so I won't, that thief won't get in if you enter through me. I'm, you're protected, you're safe, you're saved if you're with me. Because remember, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. And this, this abundance word transitions to the talk of how he promises to not only be the door, but the good shepherd that leads us into abundance. Now, here's the warning before I proceed forward to my final point. Many of us have maybe heard this verse talking about another kind of abundance that this context is not talking about. And if we reduce this verse to a type of abundance that's less than what Jesus promises for us, ironically, we are allowing the voice of the thief and the robber to take from us the abundance that Jesus has purchased for us. When Jesus talks of abundance, he's talking about what he is leading us into. Because we've already talked about him being the door, protecting us from the bad stuff, at least. But now he's going to talk about being the good shepherd who leads us into the good stuff. Everyone say good stuff. Number three, Jesus is the good shepherd. He leads us into abundance, a life of abundance, a, a mission of abundance. Jesus is the one who gives us overflow in life. At our prayer meeting tonight, we're actually going to pray through Psalm 23, how Jesus is the, the good shepherd, the fulfillment of Psalm 23. And I won't get into that a whole bunch right now, but Jesus is the one who anoints our head with oil, which means that we gain entrance to the fold, not just to the fold, but to the holy of holies. And it says that my cup overflows. Jesus doesn't want you to just be full. He wants you to be overflowing and to be spilling out on other people that they would drink of Jesus through the overflow of your life. And he's strategically leading you to places where it's dry land and that the springs of God himself would be in you and spilling out into others. In his voice, the same voice that protects you from harm, is leading you out to destroy harm with his peace. Verse 3, the sheep hear his voice. Jesus says he calls out his own sheep. He leads them out. When he's brought out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Down to verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, my last point, I... I made the point that if we're to establish foundations in the faith, in hearing his voice, we need to read our Bible, right? We, we need to, to have a turning point like Victory Weekend where we can start to reject voices maybe we've grown up with talking about our bodies, our identities, our whatever, and to accept the voice of the Good Shepherd to keep us secure. But listen, folks, God doesn't just want us to be secure, he wants us to be dangerous to the enemy. He wants us to go out and see the abundance in the adventure of not just knowing him and knowing his voice, but making him known 
with his power. In other words, we say it this way, that those who, who he has engaged in the faith and who he's established, he wants us to be equipped and empowered to engage and establish others. And it's this cycle, this growth step cycle of power that expands the pasture land of God. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is the shepherd's voice calling us out into abundance. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've spoken, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you always. He's he's leading us out with his voice. I don't believe that when he speaks of abundance, he's speaking simply of stuff. Now, I don't think he's speaking to the exclusion of stuff. The good shepherd knows what we need. He knows if you need something to pay your bills, but he knows that you need so much more than the things that we often settle for. And that we, like sheep, are meant, we we often, not meant to, we often go astray and just settle down with just a few things, but he wants more for you than just stuff. I think when he speaks of abundance, he's speaking of people. He's speaking of people. It's been promised that of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And he wants to use his voice of peace for you to overflow and spread his peace. It says the nations, in the Bible it says, the nations are our inheritance. I think when it speaks of abundance, he's speaking of us winning people to the shepherd that God would use his voice to send us out to places where we could be used to attune people's ears to hear the abundant voice of the shepherd. The last two or three weeks, there has been a lot of stories where God is prodding me. His voice will tell me to speak to someone in a coffee shop or whisper secrets about people to, to them. And I've had these powerful stories of Jesus speaking to me and seeing the fruit of it right in front of my face. Sometimes I don't see the fruit of it. I'm just look like a fool. And most often I'm okay with that. I would love to tell you one of these powerful stories of abundance. Uh, But one story from this week is what I'm needing to share today. On Monday, I was asked to give a prayer of invocation. I was actually, I was asked to give an invocation at the city council meeting in San Marcos, I actually had to Google what invocation was. Uh, apparently, it's a prayer. So I was giving a prayer at the city council, and I was preparing for it. And uh, I'm, I, was, I was being led. I felt led to talk about uh, being strong in our weakness. And I had this little prayer that was like, it was good. It was three minutes. It was, it was a great prayer. And two minutes before I went up there to pray, I heard the voice of God whispering in my In my inner being, behold, I will bring you before governors and counselors. And when, this is right from scripture, and when you are brought before them, do not think ahead of time what you will speak, but I will give you the words to speak. So I prayed. And let me tell you, it was a sheepish prayer. It wasn't great. It was not impressive. In fact, 
I walked away from that thinking, God, that was, that was a weak prayer. I heard the Holy Spirit again say, son, I'm pleased with your weakness. Turns out he was wanting me to know the word about being strong in my weakness. That wasn't for someone else. That was for me. I got an email back the next day of people just really being blessed by my prayer. And I'm thinking, why? I don't even remember what I said. It, was, it didn't make any sense. All I did was just show my weakness to people. And God was like, yeah. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What's the biggest thing that defines his goodness? He says it twice, and this is important. I lay down my life for my sheep. This powerful, infinitely holy shepherd who could destroy all his enemies with his voice, who spoke the universe into existence, and all of a sudden we have sun, we have physics, we have human thinking and reasoning. With his words, he spoke it into existence. On the last day, he will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. How will he come? With a sword coming out of his mouth. He is powerful, and yet he says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. His strength is displayed in his ultimate display of weakness where he dies for his sheep. This is how Jesus leads us out. It's by dying on the cross for our sin. Jesus is the only one who can be the door that opens that which was sealed by our sin never to be opened to give access to God and his people. He is the one that by dying gives us access so that we can hear his voice. Bringing us in, sending us out. One pastor says this, John Piper, pastor in Minnesota, he says, his life was abandoned so that ours could be abundant. Would you pray with me, please?